Hi everyone, Dan Cassidy here. Welcome to Top of the Morning on the UBS Market Moves podcast channel. Our conversation will focus back in on the healthcare space as we will examine what 2022 has in store for the group, including a look at some notable headwinds as well as opportunities within the space. Plus, we will update you on the latest with respect to COVID-19. So looking forward to a timely conversation. Uh, joining me for the conversation, glad to welcome back to Top of the morning, Eric Potiker, Healthcare Analyst Americas with the UBS Chief Investment Office. So, Eric, thank you for dropping back by Top of the Morning. Great to be on with you this morning and looking forward to our conversation. Yeah, thanks, Dan. Good morning. So, Eric, I know we have a lot of ground that we want to cover heading into 2022. I know, Eric, you maintain a most preferred view on the U.S. healthcare sector, though before we expand on your expectations for the year ahead, perhaps we can reflect on the year that was. So, Eric, how did the healthcare sector perform in 2021 relative to your expectations around this time last year, as well as the broader market? Yeah, you know, I, I think healthcare, uh, I think overall stock performed more or less in line with how I expected it would, I think, but that, that there's a lot of cross currents within that. Um, cross currents is a term I've used a lot, but they sort of reflect how, how healthcare has performed and how investors have viewed healthcare and sort of met, grappled with how to invest in healthcare over the last really two years. Um, because, you know, the COVID pandemic with its multiple waves and, and sort of Changing views on how on how to invest through the pandemic, I think, it has hit healthcare and benefited some sectors at certain times and hurt other sectors at certain times. I mean, that's been the big challenge: is trying to understand the shorter-term gyrations of various subsectors with the longer-term fundamentals, and, and sort of when the market can actually get back to looking at some of the longer-term fundamentals for some of these subsectors. So I think that, that's been the challenge. But I think if we went from start of the year to now and look at how healthcare has performed, you know, really in the last two weeks, we've seen a, a quick and sharp bounce back in healthcare performance relative to the broader market, you know, going up um, before yesterday, going up almost 500 basis points really in the last two weeks. And, you know, I think that, that surprised me that we've had that kind of move in December. And I think a lot of that is really macro, macro, uh, with all those cross currents from COVID, I think it's macro as much as anything else that's been driving the market. Um, you know, I think when we're looking at value at performing growth over the last couple of weeks, there's a huge part of the healthcare um, market cap on uh, the S&P that is value, if not deep value. And um, you look at large pharma in particular and how it's driven performance over the last couple of weeks. So, you know, I, I think that, you know, with the cross currents of COVID and the cross currents of the macro forces involved, I think healthcare, not surprisingly, is, you know, overall looks like it's trailed the market by something just under 300 basis points for the year in what was a strong year for the market. Um, that doesn't really surprise me given that healthcare tends to, in a, in a strong market as a defensive sector, it doesn't usually lead. Um, I think our outlook going into 22 is, from a macro standpoint, is that, um, there will be a shift more towards defenses and then healthcare as a, as the fastest growing defensive sector should be well positioned. And then I'll come back to what we've talked about really now for well over a year that healthcare is still, despite its move in the last two weeks, relatively speaking, uh, near historic lows in terms of valuation. And I think that does set the uh, sector up nicely going into 2022. 
And I think you're starting to see, particularly as the market seems to be rewarding value over growth uh, more than it has in the past, I think the recognition that healthcare is um, very much value relative to the market by historical standards uh, really hasn't been much cheaper over the last um, two decades. So, Eric, let's run with the year ahead for a few moments here. Can you expand a bit on the backdrop? And I know from a macro standpoint, it's quite fluid at the moment. We'll touch on Omicron, COVID-19 in a few moments. But what's the backdrop and or factors that support your most preferred view on healthcare, Eric? You know, we just touched on sort of the, the macro backdrop, so I won't, I won't dwell on that. But I, I think, you know, as, as you look out as I said before, you, you see a very cheap sector by historical standards. And yet a sector that still has strong underlying growth dynamics for the most part. And, you know, those are, you know, demographic, those are government spending, those are in some cases what will be increased awareness of both the need to fund, um, healthcare uh, resources uh, globally. Um, and I think probably an increased awareness and demand for healthcare services as we emerge, hopefully in some point in 22 out of the pandemic phase, COVID, saying all of those you know, long-term underlying drivers support healthcare, uh, health from a growth perspective. And uh, again, if you look at growth and you cross that with valuation, healthcare stands out as quite attractive on those, on those two metrics. So Eric, what would you identify as being the notable headwinds facing the group? Near-term uncertainty as to how the different groups perform, different subsectors in healthcare perform due to, uh, COVID, particularly the COVID surge that we're experiencing right now. And then there, there is still uncertainty around drug pricing, which and that uncertainty has probably gone up in the last few days with growing uncertainty and skepticism that the Build Back Better bill, which includes what I think are actually quite moderate um, drug pricing reform proposals in the U.S., uh, if that bill doesn't go through and those proposals don't go through, then there's probably some lingering concern that drug pricing will reemerge as an issue. Um, and I think those are sort of the as I look at it, the headwinds from an industry-specific standpoint, um, you know, beyond that, I said in the short term, I think we're just going to have difficult visibility through the first half for medical procedure volumes, medical cost trends, the same kind of visibility issues we've had really through all of, through, through much of 2020 and then through all of 2021. I think the market, you know, recognizes that those are short-term visibility issues and those are not issues in terms of the long-term underlying in-market growth that you know, supports the healthcare sector. But in the short run, I think it's, it's just a question of having to you know, not get um, not get hit by a surprisingly bad outcome in a given quarter. And that's not new to the market, but I think that there's less visibility in the short run. And again, that's something that investors have been grappling with now for at least six quarters, so it's not new. Maybe we can take a moment here to focus in on the Omicron variant of COVID-19. Continues to has spread very quickly on a global scale in the process, disrupting reopening efforts. We hear about new headlines, impacts seemingly on a daily basis at this point. So the situation does remain quite fluid, though, just taking inventory of what we know as of today with respect to this variant, the tools that are in place to combat it, maybe some remedies in the works. What can you share with us there? Yeah, I, so far, based on the data coming out of South Africa, where, where Omicron first seemed to take hold, and the most recently, and probably most importantly, out of the UK, where it, um, it has spiked in terms of cases. Uh, and I think they're at, they, they were... We found a couple of days ago at an all-time high in daily uh, positive tests. 
But encouragingly from both, uh, not seeing a big spike left in hospitalizations, even with the expected lag that we'll have between cases and hospitalizations, really not seeing a spike up. So that, that data so far at least supports the, <clears throat> excuse me, the, um, the narrative that, uh, Omicron is not as, um, not, the symptoms are not as strong and the, and the lethality is not as high as prior, um, prior waves. Uh, now that may also be in part due to the fact that there are high percentages of people vaccinated and high percentage of people with, um, innate, um, immunity from having contracted COVID, uh, previously. Um, we are seeing though a dramatic spread. And I, I think just anecdotally, um, from the New York area, it's clear that Omicron is breaking through people who've been vaccinated, including many people who've been boosted. Uh, but again, the, the symptoms seem manageable. We're not seeing yet a spike in hospitalizations. The sheer volume of positive cases is going to stress some parts of the, the healthcare delivery system. Um, and we're already seeing that. Uh, but again, I think that hospital systems in the U.S. have, have now, unfortunately, lots of experience in managing COVID waves and are far better equipped to manage those waves than they were a year and a half or two years ago. In terms of tools, we do have the benefit of having vaccines that do appear to, even if they don't prevent infection, do appear to prevent the development of severe symptoms and disease and death. Uh, and that does reduce the pressure on the hospital system. <clears throat> and we will um, most likely in the next few weeks have the availability of oral therapeutics, which have also been shown, particularly the ones uh, from Pfizer, have been shown to dramatically reduce the development of severe COVID from people who tested positive. So I think that that will also be an important tool. So I, you know, I think again, the media tends to focus on the you know the events that get the most uh, eyeballs and, and headlines. You know, always seem to exaggerate the actual reality on the ground. Um, so I think it's you know, temporary reactions to what we're reading and seeing on on, uh, on, you know, on our screen. But I, I do think that. Uh, you know, while there, there will be some pressure on, on hospitals, probably more locally than, than throughout the country, I think they're going to be able to manage through this as they have in the past. Um, and I, I think politically, and again, this is a little bit above my pay grade, but politically, it seems like in this country, there is no appetite for the kind of lockdowns that we had in 2020. Um, so, I, you know, I, I, again, I think, you know, what we'll see is uh, much of what we've seen in the past, except probably with Omicron, a, a variant that is spreading more quickly, and that is um, resulting in a lot of breakthrough cases, but again, ones that are resulting in manageable symptoms and that aren't creating undue pressure on, on, on the healthcare delivery system. Well, Eric, thank you for the color, the clarity as to what we know about Omicron as of today. I know we're learning more with respect to the impacts of this variant on a seemingly daily basis, and it sounds like uh, there are more solutions, remedies coming down the pike to help combat it. Uh, maybe one final point we could hit on during our conversation today, Eric, uh, closing on positioning within the healthcare space. So given the outlook you had provided us just a few moments ago, what subsectors within the group look most attractive to you at this time? Sure. So I, we still remain most preferred uh, on medical devices and supplies and on life sciences tools. And, and really, in both cases, just because of the enduring and highly visible uh, uh, demand dynamics, growth dynamics in their end markets. And, and that, well, I think in COVID and Omicron reason in particular, uh, will impact the short-term growth dynamics for medical devices. In the long run, you know, we don't see that the the long-term impact really changing those growth dynamics. And I think once we emerge, hopefully, in the back, by the back half of this year, into a more normal medical procedure, 
volume environment that, you know, the growth for medical devices will again look like what the market has, has seen, uh, really for the last decade. And we've got a positive and the stocks have valuations have become somewhat more attractive given that they had to correct it a little bit because of the uncertainty on your terms resulting from, from, uh, both Delta and the Omicron waves. Um, and then you know, the tool space, the life sciences tool space, again, is a beneficiary of increased spending on medical research, uh, the amount of money that's gone into the biotech sector over the last five years, both private money and public money, really gives those companies a lot of um, firepower to do clinical trials. And that all flows through into the life sciences tool space. Uh, and there is a, you know, there are limited capacity out there in terms of manufacturing and some of the services related to all the biotech and pharma R&D that's going on, that benefits also the life sciences tools company. So uh, I remain most preferred on those two uh, subsectors. And then neutral on pharma and biotech, and, and that neutral is, is still really there because of the uncertainty around drug pricing, and, and that, that could be a whole other topic of discussion. Um, I remain somewhat optimistic that despite the reported demise of the Build Back Better bill that uh, the drug pricing provisions that are in that bill might actually make it through in some kind of smaller, skinnier bill in early 2022. And I think those provisions actually are quite, quite moderate and mild for the industry. And if in place, would remove, would provide clarity for investors in terms of drug pricing and remove an overhang that really has been around for the last six years. And I think is, is a big part of the reason why the, the pharma Subsector is traded as poorly as it has relative to the broader market. Um, but I think there, that is a particularly fluid situation right now politically. And I think if we don't see any of those provisions from the Build Back Better bill um, formalized into law, I, you know, I think, well, that's a short-term um, removal of risk for pharma. I think the issue comes back, and I think it'll linger in terms of investors' concerns about pharma. So that keeps <clears throat> keeps me neutral for now. Uh, and then on the healthcare services managed care space, I, you know, I think the, the stocks, I think, are properly reflecting the growth opportunities in that sector. And I think that that sector has really weathered the, um, the COVID pandemic quite well, both from an operational standpoint and then also from a uh, investor standpoint. So I think from a, if I look at the blend of balance of risk and reward there, I think it's you know, justifies a neutral view as well. Well, Eric, certainly a lot here we can follow up on, a lot to monitor as we head into 2022. So looking forward to picking back up with our healthcare conversation, though. Thank you very much for the timely insights you've provided to our listeners today. And in the meantime, Eric, wish you a happy and healthy holiday season. Thank you again for joining us. Thanks, Dan. Same to you. Thank you, Eric. And again, today we've been joined by Eric Potiker, Healthcare Analyst Americas with the UBS Chief Investment Office. So as a reminder to our clients and our listeners, the UBS Chief Investment Office does author a variety of publications and blogs that touch on timely market developments, asset classes, and portfolio allocation. These resources can all be located on UBS.com forward slash CIO, including the most recent U.S. Healthcare Equity Preference List Update authored by Eric Potiker as of December 21st. So if you are a client of UBS, please be sure to reach out to your financial advisor if you would like to receive a copy of that publication directly. 
though as mentioned, the publication can now be located on UBS.com forward slash CIO. Top of the Morning is part of the UBS Market Moves podcast channel, which is available where podcasts are found, including on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, and Pandora. Visit UBS.com forward slash studios to view the entire podcast offering, as well as the new UBS trending video series. From UBS Studios, I'm Dan Cassidy. Thank you for joining us. UBS Chief Investment Office's investment views are prepared and published by the Global Wealth Management Business of UBS AG or its affiliate, UBS. This material has no regard to the specific investment objectives, financial situation, or particular needs of any specific recipient and is published for informational purposes only. As a firm providing wealth management services to clients globally, UBS AG and its subsidiaries offer both investment advisory services and brokerage services. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways, and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. In the USA, UBS Financial Services, Inc. is a subsidiary of UBS AG and a member of FINRA SIPC. For information, please visit our website at UBS.com forward slash working with us. For a full legal disclaimer applicable to the independent investment views produced by UBS, please visit our website at ubs.com forward slash CIO disclaimer. 